0: Welcome back to another episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I am joined by
1: Professor Wagstaff.
0: Venomous Vinny. Hot Toddy. Good to be with you again, folks. As we are revisiting another roundtable discussion that we did early on in our career, roughly seven years ago, we decided that we would try and sit down and talk about all of John Carpenter's films that he has directed, all the horror ones at least, and... It was a hell of a day. (laughs) Hell of a day. We tried to tackle John Carpenter. We tried to cap uh, tackle uh, Stephen King. And we tried to tackle the George Romero zombie movies. All in
1: one day. All in one day. And at one point during the Carpenter episode, I was motioning for anyone else to talk. (laughs) Just because everybody was so exhausted. (laughs) and Just burn out on the day.
0: And we literally like did nothing but eat and drink alcohol the whole day. So from like. 2 o'clock on.
1: <laughs> we learn lessons quickly on yeah. our approaches.
0: Yeah, so we think we produce a better podcast for you now. I don't know if that's true, but we think we do.
1: Uh, it's true.
0: Okay, good.
1: good. The numbers show it.
0: The proof is in the pudding. So we are revisiting the films of John Carpenter. So uh, you've heard a little bit of what Professor and I have to say. Todd maybe said 10 words that whole episode. when <laughs> he, he was, was on quiet. Uh, you have not heard Vinny's input, and so and we've watched more of these films and rewatched them since then. So I think it's time to dive back in to John Carpenter. Hot Toddy, take us away.
2: Uh, so we'll, uh, we can start out with uh, Dark Star, 1974. Um, I think this is the movie he made uh, while he was still a film student.
1: Yes, it was a student film at USC that he got more funding for and turned into a feature. So, Worked with Dan O'Bannon on that, which he went into, went on to do all kinds of stuff. Return mm-hmm. the Living Dead, Alien. Mm-hmm. I have never seen it. It's an interesting student film.
0: Yeah, I've never seen it.
1: So
2: okay, I have to watch it too. So
1: <laughs> it's, I mean, for for horror nuts <laughs> that are listening to episode, this show, <laughs> it's it's
2: it that's not going to be something that you
1: need to kill yourself to see. It's it's interesting, but it's it's more for diehard sci-fi, sci-fi fans and and really people who are very interested in Carpenter to see his earliest beginnings.
2: Okay. Moving along, uh, 1976 assault on precinct 13. I've still yet to watch the original movie. So, Oh, I love this movie. I have the
0: original sitting on my shelf in there, but I haven't watched it. And I only got around to watching the remake in the past year. How and... long have
2: you owned this? <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. oh! <laughs> you know what? The tables a turn.
0: I uh, I fully admit that I paid a dollar for this. He a just DVD gave the sale. Mr.
1: Miyagi face.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. But uh, So, no, I watched the remake within the last year or so, and I really liked the remake, and I thought, well, if I like the remake, I've got to see the original because, you know, if Carpenter made it, it's got to be good. So I've never seen either.
1: So, with that, this is the first time you really get a feel for Carpenter. It's not a horror film. It's m- much more action and thriller. But um, for Western fans, it's basically Rio Bravo Ooh. set in downtown Los Angeles. Well, Rio
0: Bravo is one of my favorite Westerns.
1: So, and this, he's got a killer score. Now, he went on to have, as we'll discuss, great scores in so many films. This is every bit as good as any of those. Cool. Halloween, The Fog, lots of good music. Assault on Precinct 13 has a very distinct and catchy theme to it. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's certainly a flavor of mid seventies um, action crime, but it's it's a good movie. It oh, doesn't yeah. have all of the signatures that we would go on to know, uh, ranging from look to style that you get in a lot a lot of his later films. But it's still you can start to feel that Carpenter feel to it, and it's it's a cool little movie.
2: Nice, nice. Okay, uh, so. Um we move along to 1978 uh, made for TV movie. Someone's watching me.
1: Ah, yes. Lauren Hutton. Uh, anybody seen that?
2: Nope. Negatory.
1: Um, It's, it's, it's pretty pedestrian, um, in terms of comparing it to the rest of his body of work, but it's an entertaining movie. It's not, there's not really worth much dwelling on
2: for it. It's a TV movie. It's entertaining.
0: All right. How's will
2: Okay. Um, then we move uh, to Halloween, 1978.
0: Not um,
1: familiar. Yeah, could somebody <laughs> finally make me understand Never what this it. is all about?
2: <laughs> I feel like we've uh, definitely talked about Halloween a lot throughout the if A flawless horror
1: film and what really launched him into a superstar. I love it.
2: Yeah. I
3: absolutely love it. That is an annual watch for me,
1: obligatory. Yep, masterpiece. I would say Halloween or Silver Bullet, I have seen the most out of all horror films. And then Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. I mean, I've seen Halloween so
2: many times. I'd say Halloween's probably my well, it's my favorite movie anyways, but it's I probably watch it at least four times every year, so at least.
0: Four times a year?
2: Yeah. That's intense.
0: And Man. Not like
2: intense. <laughs> <laughs> I watch it intense, actually. <laughs> Just trying to upset. I've seen it
0: on his phone doing it.
2: Yeah. That was <laughs> Friday the thirteenth, <13th>, but <laughs> Uh, in fairness, you were trying to get me to go in a tent that I thought puke was everywhere. So, <laughs> uh, The old tent filled with puke trick. He's famous for Come it. on in, bud. Can Come you on show in. his rope trick after that? Come on in, take the top off if you like.
0: <laughs> I literally uh, sat in the freezing and just uh, drank and watched Todd while he was watching a movie. <laughs> but little did he know that he would have survived the night in my tent. Because he almost froze to death by himself in his tent.
2: I mean, I had a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle bag that went to like my waist.
1: <laughs> oh, there's a lot of jokes to be made there. Okay, what well, we got? To yeah, ask. yeah. What'd you guys turn?
2: Let's
3: <laughs> give what they tuned in list to listen <laughs>
2: to. Uh, so uh, I'll touch on it just because it's Kurt Russell, but uh, another TV movie is Elvis 1979. Um,. Actually, I got to watch this. I used to own this on VHS and still had never watched it.
1: Time hasn't carried its sense of importance for that, that it was when it came out. That was a big deal. Um, and you had Kurt Russell, who starred in movies with Elvis as a child, playing him. It wasn't the only time he'd play him in film. Um, it's, it's very... I think it's interesting just in the sense of it veers off so far from what we know John Carpenter for. And... Um, I'm sure we won't get much into his biography, but he has deep roots in music. His father recorded so many famous artists that he was around as a child. And so I think that he uh, he didn't end up going down that path with his filmography obviously, but I think early on that might have been a, a much stronger interest to him. And so it's, it's cool to see him do that at that point. Because he could have done a lot of stuff after Halloween.
2: And I, I think it's good to note too that this is about the period where Carpenter is pretty known for working with a lot of the same actors and uh, same, same people. Uh, So Kurt Russell definitely pops back up again and again. Um, The following year we have 1980s, the fog. Mm. Uh, A personal favorite. I love that movie. I'm a
0: big fan of the fog. I just love the feel of it. Yeah. Um, Have
1: we ever covered that individually? I don't think so. That's one of those ones that I I'm never sure if we did or not. We should. I'd uh, like to and uh, I don't think I've, I
2: don't think I've watched this since we uh went to California last year and got to go in the church.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, it was a cool story real quick. Um the people that run the church are very accommodating as long as you're respectful. And um the first time I went there they let me and the two people I was with like even get up in the bell tower, go back in the back rooms, showed us where they did uh pretended to break stained glass and they showed us how you could match it up with what's in screen with the wording on there. This is all people from the church, like who could just as easily be like, go away. Yeah. But they invited us in um, bulletins and let us spend extensive time in there. So do you
0: remember uh, what denomination of church it was?
1: I'd have to look it up. I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, it's in the church is in Sierra Madre. They filmed a lot of it up more towards San Francisco, but the fog is just Damn, that's a good movie. It still holds up. Um, it's it's very. It, it shows his strengths for both the way he shot films, but also he was he wasn't gory, and that's what made it the the suspense build up. And like even some like Halloween, there isn't guts and and gore and blood oh, right. spraying around. And so he was very very uh, in tune with with depicting suspense on screen that mounted and and the fog is no exception of that they kind of go a little exploitive with a few things but that was the studio making him and so since we're not doing a deep dive on it i don't want to spoil the film but there's things later in the film that that were completely forced on him but the um the segments both of adrian barbeau is a dj with her wonderful voice and um the scenes of the fog rolling through town and the way that they did that with some trick photography alone, make it worth the price of admission. Yeah. It's a great slick little movie.
0: And Tom Atkins is in it.
1: And as usual, (laughs) he beds a woman he's just met within the
2: first hour.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I
1: I recommend that one to anyone.
2: The, uh, the documentary in, in search of darkness, uh, the segment where they talk about the fog, Tom Atkins mentions the, uh, he pulls up again to Jamie Lee Curtis, who gets in only after asking, like, are you uh, are you some weirdo or something? And he's like, no. And then she gets in. And then he beds her. Yeah. Tom Atkins, what can you do? Thrill me. It's that mustache.
1: That's why I don't meet him at conventions. Right will Fuck you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was filmed at an Episcopal church, so it makes perfect sense go. that they were uh, very cool. Excuse me? Episcopal, thank you.
1: I <laughs> yeah, they you were said
2: Joe Piscopo's church. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you
1: dig around on uh, our Instagram, there's I've put up a bunch of pictures over the last couple years with visits
2: there. Really nice group.
3: Cool. Good, t- good times.
2: Uh, okay, so 1981, uh, escape from New York, uh, back to uh, Kurt Russell. Yeah. Uh, Donald Pleasance comes back. Uh, I feel like a couple other. Staples. It's been a while since I've watched Escape.
0: It's uh, it's a good movie. I like it. Sometimes I like it better than others. We'll put it that way. Sometimes I'll put it on and I'll just really get a kick out of it. And then sometimes I felt like I was in the mood to watch it. And I'm like, huh, ah, it's kind of dragging.
3: Uh, you're
1: putting in LA when you, when you do that.
0: Not <laughs> Never even seen LA.
1: <laughs> well... Not sure you need to correct that.
0: Yeah, but I know I love Kurt Russell in this. When uh, you know they're like, "Well, what's your deal? Aren't you going to try and save the president?" And he's like, "Eh," <laughs> you know, like he's indifferent.
1: Yeah, he he makes the movie. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the special effects and approach to it is dated, but the scores kick ass. Kurt Russell's kick ass, and it has a ton of great character actors through it, just peppered throughout. I mean, it, the the movie's got a, a pretty good. Uh, pace to it it doesn't take itself too seriously and i mean i didn't announce it when we kicked it off but with the if you eliminate uh, elvis as the tv movie this stretch from halloween for about 10 years i think you can pit up against any director in the history of movies As, as the the quality and diversity of films that he made is remarkable
3: i'll agree i will agree
1: yeah, I love Escape from New York. It's it. It doesn't have horror elements to it, but it's it's just such its own thing, and yeah. you can't go wrong with Kurt Russell.
0: All
3: right,
0: Vinny. What have you ever seen this?
1: <laughs> I have seen it. Uh,
3: maybe only once or twice. I didn't see it until I was an adult. Uh,
0: and, we, and we know you don't like action movies, so
3: I liked it okay, but. I didn't, it's not like Big Trouble in Little China.
0: You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, good point. It didn't hit the same. Yeah.
2: Okay, what a treat. Treat. All right, so uh, 1982, uh, we get John Carpenter's remake of The Thing, which I love uh, I love people slamming remakes to John Carpenter than to say that their favorite movie is The Thing, and, and for him to look back like, you know I remade that, right? <laughs>
0: Vinny, I'm go first on this one.
3: This is my favorite horror movie. I love this movie. Uh, I watch it.
0: I would say annually,
3: except in the fact last year I didn't, we barely got any snow.
1: So, yeah, so I didn't
3: watch it. Like I love to have it cold and snowy as shit outside when I watch this. This year we did get an early snow. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't massive, but it covered everything. And it was cold. And I got my 12-year-old son to watch this movie for the first time. So nice. that, was, that was fun. He's just now dipping his toe in. Uh, he wa- We recently watched the first eight Friday the 13th movies. Jason has been his gateway
1: in. Yeah, and we learned that he's big on continuity. <laughs> he is huge on continuity.
3: <laughs> we found out by watching the Friday the 13th films. But he watched the thing, and unlike the Friday movies, I watched him jump a couple times. While he was sitting there watching it. <laughs> uh, afterwards, he was too cool. Uh, I wasn't even scary. I,
1: then you know it was good. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but I love this movie. I think that... it I've said this before. It helps that it has a time stamp when it starts. It tells you what year it takes place in. And I think then it doesn't feel dated. It feels like a period piece. Yeah. To anybody who's watching it. The special effects still hold up to this day. Oh yeah. Better than most CGI. Especially the head dripping off the body with the arachnid legs popping out of the sides of it like I don't know. This is just, this is my favorite. As I as we did this episode, I started to realize how influential John Carpenter's works were during my childhood. Movies that I enjoyed as I, as a kid, never really paid attention to who directed things or anything like that. I was more focused on the actors that were in them. Like, I was an actor kid. Um, But I know now, as an adult, I look back, and John Carpenter's movies had a huge influence in my life. The same way Stephen King movies did for others at this table. Sure. I think John Carpenter was that way for me.
1: and He he was uh... the. Consummate professional. I mean, because he there was there was nothing stuffy about him in these films. There was never any self-absorbed auteur marks that you could recognize him by. He just directed the hell out of films confidently, and that's what made them so entertaining. I would put the thing in my top ten, if not my top five. I've said it before on the show, and I still think it, it's the best special effects ever. And it was also
3: a ballsy move because the thing from another world wasn't a theatrical bomb. No. That was a that was a a, well-regarded,
1: hit. That's like Jaws for the next generation. And for them to remake, have the balls to remake that, and have the
3: vision to know he could go into that and
1: do it. And to go back to more of the source material and do a completely different approach. The special effects do not rely on a crutch. So, like for example, an American Werewolf in London is some of it's another bit of my favorite special effects ever. Mm -hmm. But there's not a lot of variation in what we're seeing in that film. It's Mm -hmm. just perfect. Mm -hmm. This is a bag of tricks. Oh, yeah. We is. don't come back to something a second time. Each yeah, time they're wowing you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is It is just um, a master class in special effects uh, with Rob Bottin, who you guys uh, don't appreciate in the Howling, but he nonetheless <laughs> is excellent in this. Um, but, no, the, the thing is another great example um, with uh, Carpenter teaming up with Cundy, who he's done multiple films with at this point, and that kind of Panavision uh, sparkle that he has in all his films—they just look great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the great scores that he typically is behind and doing some of them with Alan Howard. his stamp is on these films at this point. And I think the thing—and you could make an argument that the fog—but I think the thing is where he really is like peak. Everything he does is assured. And impossible.
3: another thing about the thing: Blu-ray and HD do not hurt these Doesn't special hurt effects. At all. In the least. Yeah. There are some movies that you can watch now. And if it's too high definition.
1: Yeah, it like starts to cheapen it.
3: Alien. There are parts in Alien where that happens. Where you're like, oh, it looks a lot more like a model
1: now. Yeah.
3: But this movie, I don't think it
2: affects
1: it. I agree. Yeah, it's it's a classic.
2: I think it's a... Because actually, uh, I like the um, the prequel that they did too. But I think it's a great example of CGI versus practical. Oh, yeah. Because though I like the uh, the newer one. And the 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 practical effects like blew the the other one out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, I also kind of like too, and it's it's nothing new at this point. But he brings in actors that's not essentially uh you, like like who would think uh when you think horror you would throw uh hey we should get uh Wilford Brimley. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm okay now. (laughs) Like (laughs) come inside. I'm better now.
0: I thoroughly enjoy this movie. I've made that clear on many podcasts, and so I don't feel like I need to drone on. Uh, You guys have said everything that needs to be said about why this movie is a brilliant masterpiece, and it gets watched about annually, if I can, as long as there's enough snow on the ground, just to get that feel of the isolation.
2: All right, so um, speaking of Stephen King and Carpenter, uh, 1983, John Carpenter's version of Stephen King's Christine um it's strange i feel like we may have just talked deja vu <laughs> i'll just say again like uh i i think it's uh says something that kubrick's the shiny which which is a, an awesome movie but that one's always talked about of how much liberties he took where john carpenter took a lot of liberties with christine and no one ever mentions it because he's just got away with it I I love Christine. Christine's
3: one of my favorite Stephen King stories. I've always had an affinity for this movie. Even I guess it's maybe it's because of my dad's interest, I don't know, the the era, 50s, 60s for me has always been kind of alluring and so that and I love the vehicles from that time, so it just played into all those things for me. I I think Christine's
1: great. I think, uh, I know we've covered the movie specifically, so I don't want to go into the plot or anything, but I think in regards to his career, why it's very important is that the thing was such a disaster for him, that he came into this and directed the absolute hell out of it. Um, and there really wasn't any pushback on things he wanted to do. It was check out how I can make a movie you want, the fans want Stephen King adaptation. And that's why you know this many years later when you watch it it, it's still just good i mean it's just straightforward there there's no there's no gimmick to it it's just a good movie
0: i think it would be i think this film may not have worked if anyone else but carpenter did it i don't know many directors at that time that could have just made it the movie that it is yeah Uh, Mm -hmm. a movie about a killer car
3: Mm
0: -hmm. yeah especially with
1: his polish and just kind of flavor.
0: Yeah. You know, a car that's a slasher essentially, Yeah. you know, and I, it sounds like it's a simple premise, but the way he shot and made it makes it so much
3: deeper again, than just a car. Another
2: people. cool practical effects movie. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's what makes the movie that. And again, uh, you know, you mentioned in the, the thing with music, I think you can tell John Carpenter's love for music. Cause that's always a big thing in his movies. Mm-hmm. so christine's another great example of not only his score but the songs uh the songs that would play it's almost like the car is talking to you so the like transformers uh, tried to rip it off no they did <laughs> boo okay uh, again i uh, mentioned on the king one but bummer that um his follow-up was supposed to be Firestarter. so I'm sure uh, that movie would have been thought of a lot differently if he directed it, but or maybe
1: he dodged a bullet just in general. I mean, that yeah. Could be true because uh, at <laughs> this
2: point, too, this is where he started. Um, you know, he was making some solid movies, and, and yet there's there there's there certain films that that the studios were definitely trying to interfere with. Well, and
3: we sit here today and say he was making solid movies.
2: Box office was not reflecting our love for the thing that we have. No. Do you know? Right. I, do you know the I wonder if they actually released the movie in winter instead of midsummer, like the way it's probably intended to watch. But and didn't I didn't market it so. Um. So following uh, Christine, we got Starman, which is 1984. Uh, Jeff Bridges. Uh, I remember watching this movie Careally. a lot when I was. I feel like this was a staple of like HBO. I think it was on it's, TV or something. And I'm not gonna lie, it a billion times. Every time it was on TV, I watched it. This
1: oh, yeah. movie awesome. It's not horror at all, no. but uh, Karen Allen, who's very easy to fall in love with. You'd already had her in the Indiana Jones experience mm. there. Um, Is she in American Graffiti as well? Um, Is that the movie I'm thinking of? No. Well, she's, well, she's in a bunch them. of stuff, though. Yeah. Um, but this kind of goes along in in line with she's Christine. where he, Yeah, he <laughs> she was the girlfriend in Cruising. Oh, yeah. Um Scrooged. Where it falls in line with – yeah, we've covered her a lot recently, actually. Um, but it falls in line with him directing straightforward for the bullseye, uh, to really bounce his career back. And I think that these two films achieve that. If anything, Starman isn't anything about in the horror world, but it might be his best directed film. I mean, it is just, he's on it. It's a really, really good movie. And, you know, for listeners who are interested in all of movies, you should watch it. It's really good. The fun time. I think I was thinking of Animal House. Not uh,
3: uh John Carpenter, and this harkens to the thing as well, John Carpenter tends to scratch a couple like two or three things for me, itches that I have. Horror, science fiction, fantasy. Like he scratches all three of yeah. those itches with his works. And I think that's why I liked him so much growing up. But yeah, I've seen Starman several times. Like I say, I think it used to be on Saturday movies, but I've watched it a ton of times, and it just scratches that sci-fi itch. It was done well.
0: Definitely, I've never seen it. Get your life right.
2: <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, apparently, '85 he took the year off uh, and come back '86 with Big Trouble in Little China, uh, returning with uh, Kurt Russell
1: big trouble in little china is such a unique film um i i can't think of anything else really like it because it touches into so many categories of film without ever staying too long and at the the core of it again it's like escape from new york it's all about kurt russell it's it's about what he brings to the screen oh yeah that makes that movie special now there's Lots of great special effects and villains and... Um,
2: Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I mean, there's,
1: <laughs> so there's a lot of moving parts that make it a... a, a sorry, Vinny just belched from the bathroom. Um, makes a, a lot of... Now? That makes it a really interesting film. But at its core, it's it's a, it's a Kurt Russell vehicle. Um, but I, I think the thing that is most fascinating about it is just, it's genre-bending. It really doesn't overstay its welcome in any category and it just it, it combines all of them it's funny it's exciting it's yeah. got great action it's supernatural um i mean
0: i remember as a kid some of the stuff scared me yeah sure you know it's got some some creepy stuff
2: i think this came out in a good period too where uh cuz always if i had to lump this in a genre i guess i would say comedy um This is like the span where uh, like Ghostbusters and Weird Science, where a lot of comedies were using a lot of special effects, Um, and I think that's one reason that um, I kind of think this movie was probably popular, and I know as a kid I loved this movie. I watched it all the time.
0: So when I was bordering on Catching Hands for Escape from New York earlier... (laughs) What I realize is that when I watch Escape from New York, it's not that I dislike Escape from New York. I like Escape from New York. But nine times out of ten, I wish I was watching Big Trouble in Little China. Because it it has more of the character and personality of what I look for in a film that I'm going to watch multiple times.
3: Sure. Well, and Big Trouble in Little China is just almost like an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. Like, well, it, it's so much fun. Like, it's such a good time. And it scratches your horror element, itch, or fantasy element. And I think that's why it also appealed to me more than what Escape from New York Well, in fairness
1: was. to those two, there's a lot of inverse relationships between the two. I mean, Escape from New York is not trying to make you laugh as often. Right. It's, right. And it's much grander in scope. Whereas Big Trouble in Little China takes you into a neighborhood and a crazy situation. Whereas Escape from New York is dealing with the future and oh, bigger ideas, I didn't see Big right.
3: Trouble until I was in, probably in the, within the last ten years. Hmm, really, and I now I now own it on Blu-ray. I own probably less than twenty movies on Blu-ray, and I own Big Trouble in Little China on
2: Blu-ray. Well, how about that? Well, were they, Toddy? thoughts? Um, it's been a while since I watched it. I still love this movie. Um. Actually, I've tried fighting it for quite a while of not buying the, um, I hate to say overpriced oh. because I love Fright Rags and I'm not going to slam them, but I just kind of felt that what I pay for a t-shirt is a little bit high to pay for a tank top.
1: I was going to say, I've been fighting off Scream Factory's big deluxe thing because I was like, man, I already got this movie am I'm, uh,
2: I'm fighting that off too for the same reason, and I'm going to be honest, I'm going to end up breaking down and buying it. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm kind of uh, full of shit.
2: Well, the same reason I bought the <laughs> tank top, although you know, there might be some different reasons too. but um, Go ahead. Sorry. Um I I don't know I've always this movie's fun I always love this movie as much as I love John Carpenter I love Kurt Russell too so um
1: when oh, I was little I was brother, told brother. that uh china was the term for girls private parts and so for <laughs> over 2 years when people mentioned china I got embarrassed <laughs> <Was that laughs> And
2: funny?
1: so now when I hear the term big trouble in little china <laughs> it brings back a lot of giggles
2: <laughs> It was that china
1: Well yeah but uh, a, a fellow classmate told me he's like, "Do you know that's what it's called?" I'm, really? <laughs> Stuck around for a couple years in grade school.
2: Is that like the
1: I will
0: forever remember that now. Whenever I watch, the you film. know who told me,
1: Cody Thompson.
2: <laughs> is that like the uh, the tickle in your pee pee from the hills?
0: What big bird?
2: <laughs> oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. But what is it?
1: I don't know.
2: Show us on the doll where he touched you. <laughs> Okay. Uh
1: moving on. Yes. Big <laughs> trouble and little China. There will be
2: the same thing. Big trouble in Little China. <laughs> little China. Uh okay, uh, nineteen eighty seven Prince of Darkness. <sighs> Sorry. Which, <laughs> that was the score. <laughs> oh my mm. goodness.
1: That is a damn good beer, and this is my most underrated John Carpenter movie. I love it.
2: I feel like people hate on this movie. This movie scare the shit out I've of me. I've never seen it. You must not like Alice Cooper.
0: I've seen it once. I feel like this is one that professor would probably be upset because he thinks I should really like this film and it's just meh to me.
1: Yeah. You like what you like.
2: Um I would expect you to like this. I yeah. would
1: I even went down to the little Korean church in downtown LA where they filmed this and they like it's they now have art exhibits inside so we got to go in and walk around and Was it there. the same
0: church from 22 Jump Street where they had or 21 Jump Street <laughs> was where they Korean had Jesus? Korean Jesus.
1: No, it was not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. For this, I just I think it gets really dark, and I think that he removed a lot of his playfulness. It's really difficult to talk with the ongoing dog squeaking <laughs> of a toy. If you're wondering what that is, that's not uh, my ass talking while I am. Um, but no, he a lot of the playfulness is removed um, from what you would had. something like Big Trouble in Little China. It gets pretty dark, uh, pretty gooey and it does get very gooey <laughs> and it and it's got a re, it's got a real pulse to it it doesn't dwell long it's pretty high octane in its storytelling we spend a little bit of time on the college campus but um it really accelerates quickly and doesn't let up and i just i think it's one of those ones that it's it's certainly not it doesn't belong in the conversation with the classics that he made but i think it's every bit as effective in terms of a horror movie for what he celebrated for.
2: oh yeah Manchette? Did you say you had not seen this movie? No, never seen it. All right. Um, I definitely remember, like, the uh, – I believe Alice Cooper was one of them, but uh, the hobo people outside. Yeah, he's I, one of them. I think uh, part of this movie is because it's a little uh, bonkers and confusing, and I think that would also uh, – I feel like at this time period, uh, if you grew up in the 80s, you were always uh, – you know, we we're going to be bombed or nuked or whatever, and it's the end of the world. So any kind of movie about the end of the world, whether it's from a religious aspect like this one or or uh, The Day After Tomorrow or The Day After, whatever it was called, um, it was always kind of freaked me out as a kid.
1: Yeah, I just think it's an interesting cast. The score is awesome. Um, it's another one that's just got great music to it. You got Donald Pleasance back. Um, and... The location, it, Alice Cooper, it's it's just all really got a jarring um, vibe to it. And now we have Grizz doing home maintenance repairs on his door. <laughs> so we're just checking the laundry list of things going on while we talk.
0: I don't want it to squeak when I let the dog out. And so now okay, you, so- have, you have made that distraction even more distracting. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Buddy, I think that ship sailed about five minutes ago, but we appreciate the effort. But okay, so Prince of Darkness, we've got one lukewarm, never seen it, and two enjoy it. What we got next?
2: All right. Uh nineteen eighty eight they live. Yes. Vinny,
1: kick us off. What do you think?
2: This is a childhood
3: favorite. Like this one nailed the science fiction itch. Like Then it was kind of V, for those old enough to remember V. Um,
0: For Vendetta? And and it's like
3: got Roddy Piper in it, and I love Rowdy Roddy Piper. Like, top three wrestlers of all times, dudes that I respect and would like to meet. I've met two out of three Ric Flair, Rowdy Roddy Piper. There's only one way to meet him now. Jerry Lawler. Uh, Grizz and I met. Rowdy Roddy Piper together one of the times that I
1: met. I was Piper. a handler handler for him for about an hour and he could not have been nicer. He was so cool. To two
3: geeky wrestling dudes walking up and talking to him. To a
0: couple jabronis Like
3: hand on your shoulder, staring mm-hmm. you dead in the eye like every word you uttered mattered. And not to go on a complete tangent, but Piper grew up with nothing. Yeah. Not even a family. And that is a dude who absolutely appreciated every single fan that came up to talk to him because he knew that they were the reason why he was able to get to where he got and able to live the life that he lived and was able to provide for his wife and and kids. Like He absolutely was so appreciative of his fans. But to the movie itself, if I was watching action movies in the 80s, they had a sci-fi tinge to them and this was absolutely one of those things that fight with him and Keith David that goes on forever out in the <laughs> alley like not only that and not only that and it was i got the message as a kid watching this cuz i mean they kind of beat you over the head with it i mean it's but the obey with the glasses sure. and all that and I still think it's great. I love to watch Day Live. I I don't own that, though. Now what? that I think about it, I don't think I own Day Live on Fix any... That. Yeah, I'm going to have to now. Um, couple Unless of, it's out of print and I'm not paying a million dollars yeah, it.
1: shouldn't it. be. A couple of personal experiences relating to what you're saying. One, uh, the great fight scene. I went down to that alley in downtown Los Angeles. Uh, shout out to Steve Thrasher, who was Did nice enough to walk Steve with Thrasher me. Guy no, guy but it was minutes? sketchy as fuck down there. <laughs> um, even in the middle of the day, I was just like... Let's be brief, get a few pictures and on. But the other thing uh, with handling for Roddy, to illustrate what you're saying, I got called over there. A, I have only volunteered at one convention. and It was this particular weekend. And they called me over because something had happened with his handler and they had nobody. So they yanked me from where I'd been working over by Danny Trejo's table and had me go handle for him. This is my first convention. Handling money for him. I'm a nervous wreck. And before we get started, he just wants to keep talking. And I told him at one point, I said, hey, man, like, um, I'm afraid these people are going to kill me. He goes, hey, we're all friends here. He's like, tell me about where you work before we get started. I was like, okay. And so, I mean, we had literally a five-minute conversation, and he didn't give a shit about making people mad because it was just laid back. He wanted to know because I was helping him. You
3: know that Roddy Piper – Probably didn't care because he knew he was going to give every person that same attention that he. Just and that gave was him. kind of
1: the air in his response yeah. when I was worried about the line. I mean, he was just that genuine. I and I didn't get to stay there that long because I wasn't experienced working for that show. Yeah. So I just helped, um, but I'll never forget the hour that I had. Oh yeah. Him. He was so such awesome. a good dude. Um, but they live. I love. I just want to say. I agree. Echo all the sentiments you just said.
2: I uh, I met Roddy, uh, uh, I think it was the last convention he did before he passed away. But Culture shock. Yeah, so it was a, a con they don't normally do. It was in February. And I'm wearing a sweater, which is something I normally wouldn't wear to a convention because I sweat in a tank top. Yeah, they're usually in summer too. <laughs> but, uh, well, even the winter ones, I sweat sweat through everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So when I went to go meet him, it's fun. I was actually just trying to wipe sweat from my face, and he thought I was crying. And so he just like, it was like even, uh I was like, if this is what you get for crying at a celebrity table, I'll cry at every person I meet. Because uh, he just came up, I don't know if he thought I was special or what was going on, but he was just like super nice to me and was just like, it's okay, buddy. And he was touched, and uh, it was really cool meeting him. Uh, you do have that look about you. It really was. Uh, This is probably, for me, um, I mean, I watched Halloween a ton of times, but I think uh, this is probably the first movie I went and saw in the theater of John Carpenter. And uh, I remember at the the Cheap Show, I would go see this quite a few times. Uh, But to me, it was like, I love John Carpenter. Um, Not a big wrestling guy, but I did grow up in the 80s, so... Like Hulk Hogan, uh, Roddy Piper. Everybody knew who the wrestlers yeah. were, even if you weren't into wrestling. Well, I wasn't even into wrestling, days. but uh, yeah. it was still big enough to where I would watch the cartoon. They were mainstream, on. yeah. Well, and that's what's
0: funny. They they wanted to get away from the title wrestling and wrestlers to it's sports entertainment and their superstars. But the wrestlers back then were superstars. Like oh, they're yeah. they're not superstars now. No. You know, in the way that they were Yeah, in the eighties yeah. yeah.
2: they were public lexicons. The Rock the Rock doesn't have his own cartoon. Just want to put that out there. Right. So uh and I remember uh, like they had like the I don't know what to me they were little action figures, but I I even had quite a few. I probably had the Roddy Piper one. Um so to me the fact that he was in it, Evil Lynn was in it. Uh so even though uh, Master of the Universe is whatever, I still uh love the movie. And, um, so uh meg foster <laughs> no i i admire all three of you uh <laughs> just kidding <laughs> great score and uh as a kid i would say like the beating over the head it is kind of weird but as an adult living in the time that we live in right now in the period that we live in right now i see why you got to bash people over the head because people still want to look the other way when they shouldn't but we won't go in there. i think they live has aged well in that regard because it's a pro it applies to every
3: time period but I and I make it crucified for this, but I think that they live is a movie that you might be able to get away with remaking now.
2: Hmm. We'll come up. We're in the period again, so I think you. I think you could get away with a remake of this movie. I don't think. I don't think
1: you're wrong. I. I'm just trying to.
3: I don't think you had unless they had the right person to do it. Don't do it. Yeah. But I
0: think that it could be done. I mean, if Jordan Peele was going to do it, I'd. watch uh, it. Yes. Well,
1: I'm, I was just thinking if if we stray away from consumerism and more into social media and kind of, you know what I mean? Oh, they have that. It's called black mirror. (laughs) I haven't seen black mirror. Yeah.
0: Some of the episodes of black mirror deal with a lot of that stuff pretty heavily.
1: Black Mirrors. Gotcha. But my point was with Reaganomics and and the whole era that we're in the middle of with they live and kind of his approach to that. uh, It might be more potent to go in from different angles of, of how divided we are. Um, have you present seen, times.
0: Have you seen the Great Hack documentary on Netflix? No. Ooh, if you're ready to lose sleep, watch that. But no, that's where I'm, I'm coming to back you up because the Great Hack is about how um, companies were data mining with Facebook to get your info to make sure you saw the ads, you saw the memes, you saw the videos they wanted you to see which is just to sway elections. Gross. It's disgusting. But that would be a perfect setup sure. for a newer version of They Live. Like yeah. you
1: put on them glasses and suddenly your news feeds. Different. I just
0: ordered it on Blu-ray folks. <laughs> nice. Did you get the screen factory? Uh,
1: it was a collector's edition, whatever. It was. Yeah,
0: it right, yeah. Nice. I love this film. Yeah, I
1: will sleep well knowing that it's on the way. <laughs> yeah.
0: I love this film. I love Roddy Piper. RIP to my man's hot rod. Um, there's not a lot more to say that you guys haven't said. It just, it's a great film. It's great social commentary. It's a great direction. <laughs> It's just everything
1: about it's another really good. great score uh, and another personal story. Keith David challenged me to a pee race, standing at a urinal. <laughs> so there's that. Who there won. is that. I I <laughs> turned down the offer. I said, "Oh no, I, I I think you'll beat me." He goes, "I'm an old man." And then he finished up, and left. I was like, "Thank God, I'm uncomfortable." <laughs> but he was really nice. I was hoping that
2: you'd finish that you you zipped up your shit and your <laughs> zipper, and it was like, "Oh yeah, on how'd there you that? get the Frank above the beat?" <laughs>
1: I wish
0: you would have said that, Terry. Mr. I've got the prank above the beans. So, uh... the beans above the prank. Um, <laughs> what do we got
2: next, Hot Toddy?
0: <laughs> let's get this back on track.
2: Alright, so, uh... Pull this fucker out of the weeds. He takes a few years off. Um, I think at this point, he was actually working on uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon to do for Universal. And, um... Uh, instead, he uh, ended up doing Memoirs of an Invisible Man, uh, 1992. This movie gets a lot of a lot of shit. I love this movie. I love it, too. Who's the got It Chevy, ch- Chevy, Chevy Chase. That's why I've never watched it. Give it another
1: what? chance. Chevy Give another Chase is ch- a
3: notorious asshole. I can't stand him. Well,
1: no. but his movies are still funny, and this is different. To a certain point, they're funny. Well, I mean, like, the classics and, of and I feel like he's, he's just asking to catch hands tonight. Ooh, he's yeah. out of control. I didn't realize you
3: loved Chevy Chase that
1: much. My I bad. don't. No, it's not like
3: you in 31. Are going to get <laughs> to see the they live fight <laughs>
2: between... <laughs> No, professor. And
1: my my point with this is that it's not the usual Chevy Chase in what he does on screen. It's it's much more somber and. So common. it's not comedy. No, I mean I there's, always there's, assumed there's, it was comedy. There's, there's some comedy. There's elements humor to it. I can see that, but it's a much more thoughtful movie than you. I ever would have expected.
3: never ever thought that.
1: I, I thought I was looking at something like Ghost Dad, <laughs> and I should clarify. Like, <laughs> I am not a mark for Chevy
3: Chase. I'm just
1: defending that. <laughs> but you does are have,
3: a
0: mark for Ghost Dad.
1: <laughs> but that's a different story these days. Let's not throw jokes around like that. Ghost
2: Dad could be remade. Don't put right? me to sleep. Ghost Dad could be remade right I now. Let him sleep and then the wake up in the middle. Oh, man. Right now, um, right now in Hollywood, there's a pitch of, like, Bill Cosby is invisible in your kid's room.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, Rudy. I, have, I can't build upon
1: this. Okay, uh, Memories of Invisible Man <laughs> no. is surprising in its uh, that it's a much more thoughtful and at times serious film, and the special effects are cool. Uh, I may give it a chance. Now you that should. Said that. I, I used, always
3: assumed it was just a comic.
1: and it's not. Uh, it's not a bonafide classic, but as for as much as you like the Invisible Man, hmm. you should ch- give it a check. And Daryl Hannah, you get her in there too, which is always nice. Um, a really kind of a surprising film in his filmography. It's it's another one of a kind. Hmm.
2: Kind of film. All right. I've never seen it. How many times have you said that this episode? Go home. <laughs> How many times have you watched Rambo? <laughs> oh, he's getting out on him. Oh.
0: Shut up, nerd.
3: Uh-oh.
2: Uh oh. Abort.
3: No, All right. No so uh,
2: another, uh, another made-for-TV movie is 1993's Body Bags. Mm, which we have
0: covered on. The- we have covered uh, – I think just you and I professor. Yes. With the uh, Yeah. Uh, I know that I love it. And if you want to hear my full review, you can go back to that episode, but absolutely love body bags. Love. I, and I love carpenter playing the, the yeah, guy moving the stories. Cool. along. Yeah. Yeah. In New yeah
2: I love an anthology. Yeah. I love an anthology. i for it. Yeah. Me too. And uh, th- I think body bags was showtime. I feel like showtime at this period, we're uh, slaying it with like psycho four and uh, when a stranger calls back and body bags and, um, they were, they were kind of, they kind of lost a little bit with birds too, but they, uh, for the most <laughs> part though, they, they, uh, they were doing some good, uh, good production for, uh, for That's their, a good point. their movies. Good string up in there. Yeah. All right. Good times. Good times. Um, I think, uh, to me, one of the, uh, of his newer movies, as I quote that you can't see with my fingers is, uh, 1994's in the mouth of madness. Hmm.
0: We have, uh, we've covered this one on the show before, but uh, just to let y'all know, I'm about that life. I love In the Mouth of Madness. It's just, man, it's Lovecraft. It's messing with your mind. Um, yeah, I just love it. So that's me.
3: I've seen In the Mouth of Agnes, and that was a way better <laughs> movie, but I've not seen
1: this. One. Uh, yeah, (laughs) man, man, uh, no, this, I think this is arguably his last great film, um, in his filmography, Uh, but we've covered, so I won't spend much time on it other than it's excellent. Doesn't have Jimmy Chase,
2: but (laughs) I'll watch it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so, um, Todd, what did you think of? I, I love In the Mouth of Madness. Uh, I think Did you cover the, this on episode one No. Us? Okay. Uh, I would say for the time period it came out, um, there wasn't a lot of horror coming to the theater. And not only, uh, not only coming to the theater, but actually I kind of found this movie to be scary too. Oh, yeah. Um, this is pre-Scream because I, I think when you talk about the 90s, people forget that other movies came out. Um, not that I don't love Scream. Um, and I kind of felt like this is Carpenter's uh, almost kind of um, – I feel like all the major directors kind of have like a nod to each other here and there in in some way or another. I feel like this is his nod to Stephen King.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, I get that very much because it's very Stephen King-ish. I feel
2: like almost Stephen King could have wrote this, but it's still Carpenter.
0: It it feels like a nod to Stephen King and Lovecraft.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Lovecraft, definitely.
0: Yeah. Uh, I just have to ask you, uh, Professor, are you a fan of Sutter Kane? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
2: Do you read Sutter Kane? Do you read Sutter Kane? Benny's lost. Get back on uh, Amazon. Order this movie. He's got all yes. pissed off about good All right. So uh, so moving on. Uh, this movie would be what he directed, so he could make Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, would be his remake of Village of the Dam, nineteen ninety five. Um, I love hate this movie. Um, I love it because they. I love the cast. I love Kirstie Alley. I think this is Christopher Reeves' last film before his accident. Right? I couldn't tell you. It probably so. Um I think it's good, but it's bad at the same time. Um I don't know. It didn't, it didn't it probably of all the movies we talked about, I feel like this is the least uh where like the car he definitely did his own version of the thing. I feel like Village of the Damned was kinda like, eh. Um and it wasn't as strong as his other films, but there's still a lot of things I like about it, um, but especially coming off of *In the Mouth of Madness*, it felt pretty weak to me.
1: There's still touches of his strengths in this film. It's entertaining. It is. I the original is still stronger. Um, if I remember correctly, he made this on a, as a bargain to finally make *Creature from the Black Lagoon*. Yeah, and
2: then they screwed him.
1: And and when this tanked, they said, Ah, never mind. And that's basically what soured on Hollywood was the relationship with this film because he didn't particularly want to make this. He made it as a, a gesture and an agreement.
3: Would you say quid pro quo? <laughs> there was no quid pro quo. I can't even
1: get it out. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, that was kind of the thing. Scratch each other's backs on this. We want to get a remake made of this, and then it tanked, and then they didn't keep good on the offer, and I think... From that point, he really started to go a little bit rogue with his filmmaking, um, and I don't think it ever bounced back. Unfortunately. All right, but it, still entertaining. I don't think it's one that you should just completely.
3: Avoid. I don't think I've ever seen the remake.
2: It's it's it's, it's still got some it's cool it's stuff well worth a watch. I actually, like I said, I, I I'm torn on this movie every time I watch it because I like it, but yet yeah, I'm always a little disappointed in it too, and.
1: It could have been a lot better. Yeah. Never
2: seen it. And uh, for those that's uh, playing the drinking game, that's take another shot. Um, (laughs) All right. uh, So 1996, uh, we get Carpenter's, um, I guess, technically first sequel that he actually directed, uh, Escape from L.A. Uh, Kurt Russell, Snake Plissken returns. Uh, I think Pam Greer was in this film. It's been a long time since I watched this one. Um, I'm probably one of the few people that like this movie, but it's, it's, it's hot garbage compared to the original. I can't lie, but I think it's still fun for, for what it is. Um, at the same time, I, I completely agree with, um, what the professor was just saying where, um, from in, in the mouth of madness, it kind of, I feel like you can feel his passion leaving with, uh, each All film. It's right, just
1: disenchanted.
2: Yeah speaking
1: of <laughs> never seen it uh this is worth Thank seeing for heard. i i uh will always be in love with pam Greer, so she's in it it's worth watching for her and steve buscemi's in it can't go wrong with
2: i that. know people hated it but the the thing i always think about when i think of this movie is where he's surfing
1: oh yeah it that <laughs> I remember is remember that from the trailer <laughs> so, so
2: bad. bad but it's always what i think of when i think of this movie.
1: visually it is disgusting <laughs> i mean it is appalling to think of all that carpenter was behind achieving visually in film and then that it's bad um but it's also fun to revisit the character because at its core escape from new york was all kurt russell as we talked about and so you still have that and it has a pretty fun ending to escape from la um so i mean it's not it's not worth avoiding it's not complete trash but it's inferior certainly
3: i've never seen this movie for the same reason i've never seen godfather 3
1: Al Pacino? You'll get more out of Escape from L.A. <laughs> I hate Godfather 3, like, deeply. That's just when I
3: thought I was out. When enough yeah. people tell you something is shite, <laughs> I maybe. just
2: I just tended to, to stay away from them. You don't like incest, or...? I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> well, you haven't seen Godfather 3, then. Yeah, Godfather
1: 3, man. Let's spend a half hour on that real quick. <laughs> Let's <God>. not. <laughs>
2: I don't even want to watch a half hour of it again. That's oh, but Can I, can I uh, make everybody at this table hate me? Yep. Mm-hmm. Godfather 3 is the only one I ever watched. Like, for real? Up How do three. you
1: start at 3? Give it. Give us the notebook. Somebody <laughs> else makes, watch this uh, episode. I'm about, to, I'm
0: about to give you the old vampire rescind your invitation
1: into my <laughs> I'm about to pour my goddamn beer on the mixing board and end this whole fucking thing. Back. Back, you devil. Oh, that hurts. You... Have to have that corrected by the time we record next. Yep, or we won't record. We'll expect to <laughs> suffer. But I'm
2: sure the shittiest movie you could name me—I probably have seen it ten times.
1: That's irrelevant. We're not casting judgment here, but you need to see those. Okay. Just skip three. Okay. What we got
2: next? Well, I don't need to watch three because I've seen it. Oh yeah. Several times. Mm, several. Yeah, it's on TV. I'll
1: have a stroke.
2: All right. So, uh, <laughs> moving right along there to. Uh, vampires 1998 I'll say for me um I know that John John Carpenter's favorite genre of film is western which kind of sucks that he's uh I feel like him and Wes Craven a lot of them got pigeonholed into that they only have to do horror films I think a John Carpenter western would actually be really cool to see um so I was actually excited to see this movie this is definitely one of the movies of his that I hate the most is vampires
1: um, I know I've shared the story with it, uh, on this podcast before, but I'm going to do it again. I fell asleep as a projectionist, uh, the last few years, uh, where film was still normal and actually being threaded through machines. I got to run that at the theater in uh, town for me where we're from. Um, and I fell asleep and woke up to the manager screaming at me. She came up. She's like, Ryan, what are you doing? I'm, cause he, up there we i had a big sliding glass that i could open up to listen to the theater and the sound with the audience or i could close it and play the speakers up there with me and that was only in theater one that was where the big one for the week was and that had just come out and we kept a seat in there an old ancient theater seat and so i would sit in there and watch movies and i was like new john carpenter hell yeah i'm getting to thread a john carpenter movie and Passed out, fall asleep up there. Well, I'd missed movies like six movie starts because nobody'd come up and complained quick enough. So like it had gotten way behind. So she'd come up screaming. I had to go down and get these movies going because when they'd end, I'd have to get them rethreaded to run back <laughs> the other direction on the the tables that we had, and. uh I had people throwing shit at me at the window. I'm up there with my little bow tie by the window trying to get this shit through. Like, <laughs> and like candies bouncing off the window. People are yelling. And it was all because vampires was so boring I fell asleep. Um, it's It's got some interesting stuff in it. But we're really getting into bad territory at this point.
3: That one has Fat Alec Baldwin
1: in it, right? Yeah, and James Woods. Whatever his brother's name. Cheryl Lee.
3: I, re- I remember watching it. I was probably 20 when it came out. And I liked it well enough, but I've never watched it since, so that is not a fair review. Because I don't, I just remember kind of liking it, but I don't remember a damn thing about it.
1: Yeah, it's there's still cool stuff in it. Twenty it's, years ago, it's some, it's still got some bigger filmmaking in it in in the way that we know Carpenter for. But I know that there's a lot of complaints about it being kind of misogynistic at this point, which I know. Uh, in this day and age is becoming more and more common but i know that even early on even when it came out there it kind of rubbed people the wrong way i don't know about that if i agree with it uh but it it just doesn't you can feel that his heart's not in it at this point yeah i mean fully never seen it (laughs) take a drink
2: our listeners are drunk at this point. <laughs> <laughs> they actually called 911. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, uh, moving down the list. Uh, Ghosts of Mars, 2001. Um, I think I just moved to uh, Ohio, and I was actually working from... Uh, I went from a mom-and-pop video store to Blockbuster. Well, sell out. Uh, well, I was it? in a different town, and... Um, the, I remember taking the movie home for free uh, excited to watch it because I love carpenter and and um
1: now you got it for free but did you still feel ripped off i did
2: uh, I've only ever watched this movie the one time uh, and uh and it was uh, ice cube and it was Mars. and bad that's all I remember did it. Have Gary Sinise in it I don't remember that no. far. No? What am I thinking?
0: Red, Go? Red Planet? Oh, that's what, with I mean. <laughs> is what I'm thinking.
1: This is the only Carpenter or movie I've never seen. Apollo 13. I've never seen it either. I've even seen the TV movies and the stuff he's written, but this is the one. I have not seen this.
0: This is going to come as no surprise to you guys. You loved it. <laughs> that I went out of my way to see this one. You, paid, like,
1: you paid a dollar. It's got Mars in, in the title and Ice Cube in it. Yeah. Oh, I've yeah. never seen it.
0: Uh, <laughs> what's funny, too, is that I heard other people hyping this up, like other people saying, you know, it's not that bad. Oh, it's kind of fun. And I watched it and it's, it's not all right. By my standards, when I'm sitting down watching, you know, as I like to call them my boogaloo films, right? (laughs) Where they're just crazy, stupid, no point for it to exist. It's not the worst I've ever seen, but this is not a good movie. And I cannot in good conscience recommend it to anybody. (laughs) But if you like stupid sci-fi action movies, give this a shot. But be warned, I didn't keep it. Like, it was not one that I'm like, I'll watch that again someday. It went on the outpile. Okay. So that's my review. Of, and
1: so you've seen it. You would say that when you watch it, is there at any point during that film where you, you go, John Carpenter made this?
0: Not for a, a, a fleeting second. Gotcha. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I've never
1: seen it. All
2: right. Then we move to his last directed film, which is 2010's The Ward. Um, I don't think this even really... I feel like it may be limited release. Um, I remember liking the movie well enough, it didn't feel like John Carpenter whatsoever. It's run of the Um mail. Yeah. Uh, wasn't a bad f- film. Uh, it definitely got hurt because it came out right after Shutter Island. Um, very similar. And it's such a played out concept in yeah, general. Yeah, that's true too. But, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's, again, it's not a bad movie. It's just forgettable.
1: Sure. It could so, have been made by anybody. Yeah.
0: It, there's nothing about it that makes you go, man, that's John Carpenter. Or, man, I've never seen that concept before. Yeah. It just, like I said, it's not bad.
1: When you think about a guy. Well, hey, Benny, have you seen this? Never seen it. Um, <laughs> when you think about a guy that changed the trajectory of a genre and the classics that he made, and then you look at this, it's just a bummer. Especially after the hiatus he'd been on. It's just... Heart's not in it.
2: Yeah. Good good times. Um, So, uh, I mean, there are a few on the list. Uh, Those are all the ones he directed. Um, I will say... um, Because, you know, we kind of get in the territory where movies get remade and stuff. So, um, he was actually producer of The Fog, the 2005 remake. I love Tom Welling. I love The Fog. I was so excited to go see this and... I think I seen it the one time in the theater, and I just couldn't get past watching it again to even give it a, a second chance.
1: That might be my least favorite remake of that whole big boom of remakes. All of the mood and ingenuity from the original, completely gone in the, in the remake. I mean, it was just bad.
0: I, I don't remember hating it, but I don't remember particularly liking it. It's rough. Yeah, I, I don't plan to rewatch it. Form my opinion, any better?
1: <laughs> sure, I would recommend uh, checking out some of the stuff he helped write. Eyes of Laura Mars is good, um, and his involvement with other Halloween efforts in the franchise, obviously. Now, Laura is,
0: is Eyes of part. Laura Mars a prequel or a sequel to Ghost of Mars? <laughs>
1: I was just getting right at it. where are we going with this? Uh, neither. Uh, it's a good. It's a tight little thriller. Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Faye Dunaway. It's a. It's a good movie, okay. and that's early in his career before. He had the full kind of clout that he did with directing, um, but he's had an interesting career and now he's a rock star who needs movies. He's like,
2: I like, a, I, like too, I guess I didn't realize it until, um, until the Halloween 2018 that his uh, son Cody now, uh, cause Cody worked on the soundtrack too.
1: Yep. Worked with him on that. Um,
2: and I know that they're doing some stuff too for the, um, the next two sequels um i do know escape from new york's been like laying around where they've been trying to um he's actually attached as producer of the remake um part of me doesn't want them to remake that movie and there was one a few years ago that looked just like escape from new york that he actually sued and won because it's Hmm. funny because i kept saying that looks just like escape from new york and they're like no it's it's this movie where they're in space and but yeah he actually (laughs) won the lawsuit and it's not Escape from New York. It's Runaway from Long Island.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it, it, no, it's ding, 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 ding,
2: ding. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, I think it produced <laughs> Vampires 2. Uh, actually, there was liked, a sequel? There's three of them. Oh. Um, oh. I actually like the sequels better than the original, and they were straight to video. So. Wow. I'll take your word. Um, Philadelphia Experiment. I used to like I thought you were going to say Philadelphia. No, he did not have anything to do with Philadelphia, just the soundtrack.
1: Flip flip, yeah. flip
2: flip flip yeah flip, yeah um flip, i don't know i kind i'm honest at this point i think he's done with film
1: yeah
2: uh, other than producing i do love that he came back in some way or another for the halloween films because mm-hmm. he enjoyed what the what they were doing but you know here's the, the score thing. kicked
3: ass on that new one he yeah,
2: doesn't he need with. to come back to that. doing
3: film he doesn't he's got a legacy
1: you know what and i mean and just leave it alone at this point yeah. we've already come back and chipped away a little bit at it yeah just yeah. It's, as I mentioned earlier, it's one of the greatest stretches anybody's ever had.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: don't need to prove anything else. Yep. Do what you
2: want. I which would, uh, he
1: appears to be doing by going around and playing sold-out concert venues. I was gonna with say, it, you know going mean, to say, he's having a blast.
2: I would love to see him in concert. Um, and, and, and again, like uh, I think it's uh, great that he got to fix uh, Halloween 2. They actually, uh, just to figure out a way to do the sequel, they wrote the, the brother-sister tie, which he absolutely hated that they did that. So, I think that's probably one of the reasons that he enjoyed coming back for the the newer films. He wrote that, didn't he? Halloween 2. Yeah, he wrote
3: the brother-sister
2: thing. Yeah, but he's always hated that. Yeah, he he said he was a six-pack in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then Halloween 3 got hated for it, but um, I think Halloween 3 would actually make... Not not that movie, but the idea of it would make a cool TV show. Um, What, anthology stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So... I don't know. I, I I'm still like no matter how uh, bad the last few films that he did, I I will always love John Carpenter. It doesn't tarnish the great oh, works God, no. that he did. Yeah, and, and, and well, major- for our
0: generation
1: especially, nothing can take away that stretch of movies. And, and I, I feel remarkable. like uh, his
2: influences is, is every like even uh, there's some Walking Dead episodes where where even like uh, even like uh, there's one where they're trying to get into it's a few seasons ago, but it was very much Escape from New York. Like even the score sounded like John Carpenter. Um. So his influence is everywhere, and I feel like a lot of his movies hold up over time. Like, they're not tarnished whatsoever. I'll agree with you, because, yeah, like, the the main ones we talked about, Big Trouble,
3: like, all those, they don't feel that dated to me.
2: Now, The Thing, Christine.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah. Word. All right. Well, what conversation? Coming back to revisit John Carpenter and all of his major achievements. As we said, later uh, later films notwithstanding, but again, not also condemning anything that he's done. Mm-hmm. So good to revisit this. Good to talk about would, some
3: would of the stuff. Do you think it was a better discussion this time than your wore out asses? Yes, time?
1: I at no point motioned in a begging manner for somebody to talk with me. So I'm already a smashing success.
0: You know when uh, you're at the sports event and your team, the, the team's making a comeback and they look to the crowd <laughs> to like, and they're raising their hands up, like make some noise? That's what Wilson was doing. I was, was so defeated was at that
1: point, and I understood. <laughs> I wasn't blaming, but I just needed somebody <laughs> to respond to anything.
0: And, and what's funny is we weren't even on our phones. We were just like heads down. Yeah,
1: just whipped, just <laughs> tired.
3: Before we close her up, uh, here's we don't do this very often, but I would like to say – let us know how we're doing. Rate yeah. us. Give us a comment on Facebook. Give it really some feedback. helps us. Let us know. How, yeah. It helps us out knowing what you guys are into, what you want to listen to, what you do like, what you don't like. Helps us out. Give we us have zero
1: feedback. interest in making money. That's why you don't hear commercials on this show. Yep. Uh, we're not asking for anything. All we want is more people to hear our show and talk movies with us and We just that want
0: helps ratings us. and interactions and that helps us spread the word and it helps us get exposure because of algorithms. Surely you all know how Facebook and Instagram work uh, and iTunes is the same way. If you're not getting shares and likes and, and ratings, uh, it's just being limited in its, its exposure. So, uh, we've, we've recently made a switch to share a lot more memes on the Facebook page. And it seems like that's uh, a lot of you have responded, uh, Favorably to that, so continue to like the memes and share them. But yeah, get on iTunes, give us a rating, leave us a review. It'll help us uh, expand our horror community because at the end of the day, we just want the horror community to find each other and have a good time.
1: Yep, yep. we love having conversations. That's I'm just right. looking to expose myself.
0: Todd <laughs> <Child laughs> loves <laughs> exposing just look normal self. So, cashing out. the midwest monsters podcast i'm one of your hosts grizzly abner and i'm joined
1: by professor wagstaff venomous spinning hot toddy stay scary and also watch captain ron